Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. We were off last week for Memorial Day, so we are back loaded with topics. So much to talk about on the show. Luke Heaton is here. He's mourning the Dallas Mavs loss from yesterday in Game 7, so we'll get into that. Henry's with us as well. His Knicks are done. We've got intern Harrison. He's bummed about the the Knicks as well. We've got intern Tim with us. So we've got a lot lot going on, a lot of uh, topics that that we'll uh, we'll get into. Julio Jones gets traded, some other NFL storylines going on with mandatory mini camps. We got the NBA playoffs heating up, some very interesting matchups. Teams that are out like the Lakers, what do we do with them and LeBron and some of the the, the fallout from from them losing and then some big coaching changes with the Celtics, with Duke. We got to get into that. We'll let you know what we're convinced of today and we want to hear what you're convinced of as well so you can leave those comments as we uh come to you on, on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and, and also those of you that listen to this later on the podcast. We always love hearing from you. You can email us, Bryce at unpackingit.com, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Today we will do our Unpack This segment about injury-prone players and how this idea of uh, availability can, can oftentimes be the best ability and how that relates to our own lives and, and our faith journeys as, as we look to serve God. So we will uh, get into unpack this in just a moment. But Luke, man, how you doing? How you holding up? Your, your Mavs let us down yesterday against the Clippers. What a wild series. A, a home team finally wins. Uh, but unfortunately, that, that home team was the Clippers. So how you doing? I'm mourning. What jersey I'm, do you have today? I'm rocking none other than the big German, of course. <laughs> he was there. The da- he was there. What a horrible way to honor him. God. Oh. But uh, yeah, What's it's uh, it's gloomy out today. It's gloomy in the soul today as well, emotionally. Oh. So we are uh, we are properly mourning a game seven loss. Game sevens have been brutal. Sports are hard. It's just call it as it is. Sports are hard. As in the wise words of, of Bob Sturm, Dallas radio guy, most years, some years you may see a championship, but most years it ends with your guts just spilling onto the floor. Sports, <laughs> being a sports fan's hard, but loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. So Mavs forever. Absolutely. No, that, that's awesome. Well, other than uh, the Mavs losing, how was the weekend? Weekend was really good. Yeah, I, uh, it was a very relaxing Saturday. I, I feel like the wife and I had both been kind of on the on the go the past few weekends, so it was nice to sleep in. And we we started watching The Chosen. Have you seen The Ooh, Chosen? I, I have not, but I, it, I know it's highly recommended. We uh, we started watching it and we could not stop. So that Ooh. was a lot of our Saturday, and it was uh, yeah, really awesome series to see. It's sometimes it's hard to 
imagine your mind when you're reading God's word, what's happening in the gospels. And then to see, obviously portrayals are not perfect, but it's, it's just cool to see how different people see and picture in their mind, the different characters, how the personalities of the disciples. So it's, it's, it's awesome to kind of see other people's perspective and that enhances my reading of God's word as I'm trying to imagine, man, what, how, what are these people doing and how are they saying things? So really awesome. Oh, that's cool. No, that, that's another encouragement. That's probably like the third, third person that said, Hey, you got to watch it. Maybe fourth. So anyway, I, I got to check that out. Well, before we, we get into the sports talk, uh, as far as my weekend goes, I got to bring something up because may, maybe some of you listening have, have experienced something similar, but, but this is all, all new for me as I've got a young daughter, this idea of birthday parties. Now, I, I go back, you know, when I was growing up, my parents always threw me a great birthday party. So as long as I can remember from the, the magicians to the, uh, the, the field games and, and backyard contests that we did when I was 10 years old, all of that was fun. But, but here, here in the season of life that I'm in, we now have two-year-old birthday parties to attend. So not, it's, not, it's not a situation where I drop off my daughter for a, a birthday party. I'm not there yet. I, and I don't know what age we get to. Is that eight years old, 10 years old? At what point am I out? Am I, do I get a free afternoon? No, I'm invested now in birthday parties for two-year-olds. So that's, that's where I'm at. So here's what happens on Saturday morning. The party starts at 10 a.m., a 10 wow. a.m. birthday party. So what does that mean? It's a, it's a mid-morning. So if you ever talk about a 10 a.m. party or a 2 p.m. party, what does that mean? Food is questionable. Food, Very, you, don't, yeah. you don't know what you're getting into. Is it, is it a, you know, a mid-morning kind of brunch, little nibble things? You know, <laughs> do I want a cookie? Do I want a cupcake at 10 a.m.? I don't know. <laughs> but, but here's the situation for us. We were actually late to the party because Maddie had swim lessons on Saturday morning, which was fun. So we're getting her going. You know, getting, my, my background is a swimmer. We got to start her early. But, but so we show up at this, at this birthday party and we were told that you don't have to bring gifts, which is a whole other issue. When, when you go to a party and they say, hey, don't bring anything, or you go over to someone's house and they have you over, hey, don't bring anything. Well, what happens when you show up and everybody else brought something? So we did not, we, we, we listened to the host and said, okay, we're not supposed to bring anything. So we did not bring anything. Well, other people did. So now we, mm. we, were, we show up with no gift. We show up late. We didn't know the food situation. And whatever food was there, basically gone. So I, I, did, I did go with a cookie at, at, you know, at this point, it was probably 11 a.m., which was delicious. It was a homemade cookie. But, but then we end, because we were late, we ended up staying long. So now we've stayed through lunch. Well, we had plenty of food for Maddie, so she was all set. So now it's starting to get 1 o'clock. I have yet to eat. All I've had is a cookie. So yeah. I'm at a two-year-old birthday party. We didn't bring <laughs> gifts. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying, do, am I, do I go in the jumpy little thing, the jumpy, am I allowed, or is that only for the kids? So there's some confusion there when I, when I, I didn't go in, but, but I thought about it. I wanted to. So anyway, that was my, uh, that was my Saturday. It is fatherhood. And obviously I speak from lack of experience, but man, fatherhood, it, it hits you in the face quickly. The, the, the a whole new lifestyle. So, it is. so here's the thing. One of the most difficult things to interpret is the you don't have to fill in the blank. Yeah. Well, pressure's on for me to show up and show out here because you said I don't have to, but obviously you are laying the groundwork for if I don't, I'm lazy or I'm mm. selfish. So from your perspective, they're watching you. 
no gift. You're munching on cookie. You're you're just mowing through the cookie line at ten in the morning. You're staying through lunch. You're in the bounce house, man. What what a party guest you were this week. Oh, uh, it was it was quite the quite the thing. So these are all my high school buddies. So they're all my fantasy league and all that. Um, and so what's also fascinating is you realize that your conversations begin to change now. So, you know, we used to always get together. We're talking fantasy. We're talking all that. Well, now we've got kids coming up, you know, interrupting the conversations. It's a wild ride. So enjoy yeah. your, your, your full on fantasy conversations now, because now <laughs> inner interwoven in the fantasy discussion is yeah. How, how's uh how's sleeping going or, you know, what, what yeah. time does your, uh, what time does your child wake up? And how you handling the, uh, you know, the snack time or whatever, all sorts of different, different conversations. I, I do. I do have a question. So does the small talk change? So for, for right now, when I'm small oh. talking with people, it's always the big two weather and traffic. When you, <laughs> when the, when the conversation's going nowhere or you're a little uncomfortable traffic for some reason, Oh yeah. You take 35 here. Oh wow. Yeah. 35's always got traffic. The oh. amount of times that conversation has been had is unbelievable. But people go after it again and again. They go back to the well, talking about traffic and then weather, of course. Man, it's been raining a lot here, huh? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's been really raining. Yeah. Man, really, 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 we really needed that rain. Like, there's nothing else to talk. As soon as someone asks me about the weather or the traffic, I know that they are completely disinterested in this conversation. You're done. I try, I try to never do it. I try to be a genuine question asker. So my question for you, when you're talking to their parents, is there a a a parent version of the weather and traffic? Is it <clears throat> like you're saying? So what time do your kids go to sleep? Have you been getting much sleep lately? H does that change? No, it's, it's sad. It's like all, like now all we know what to talk about are our kids. And it's like, mm -hmm. we love being parents and it's great and it's fun, but it's like, wait, we forget actually how to communicate, like how to, how to have normal conversations. And especially now that we've come out of this, you know, this last year of pandemic and isolation and all that, it's very interesting how awkward conversations are. Like, <laughs> people are relearning how to interact with other people and then, you know, throw in the idea that yeah, now you got young kids and all that. It's, it's fascinating. It really is. So oh. I'm, I'm, I'm relearning. I'm relearning how to be fun, fun and normal again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let, let's jump in. And if you're listening now and you've got any advice on the uh, the two year old birthday parties and how to handle those, uh, definitely leave your comments on uh, Facebook or wherever you're watching. Uh, but before we, we do, I'm convinced. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. All right. So big news. Last week in college basketball, as you know, I'm a Duke fan, big Coach K fan. And so I am convinced that it was not surprising to hear that Coach K was retiring. But it was shocking that John Shire is the, the guy to take over the reins. This, this caught me off guard. Now, I love John Shire because I think the 2010 Duke National Championship it might be my favorite team. And I'm convinced that if John Shire builds Duke moving forward, kind of like that team, I'm all in. Because I am not a fan of the one-and-done guys. Now, I loved Zion Williamson, and I love Jason Tatum. Those guys were awesome. But when Jabari Parker comes in for a year, even Brandon Ingram, like these guys that come and go, and they don't really build anything, and they're not here to, to stick around and win, I, 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 I don't love it. I really don't. And so when I think back to that 2010 team that John Shire – 
was a senior on, him and Brian Zubik, and then you throw in Nolan Smith, Kyle Singler, the Plumley brothers, Lance Thomas. Those guys were Loaded. there. They Loaded. were there to, to be a part of the Duke program. They weren't flying in, flying out. They weren't there just to, to showcase their NBA skills. They were there to be a part of Duke, to develop. You saw Brian Zubek as a, a goofy guy who could barely walk and chew gum to being a difference maker in that 2010 championship game as a center. And so to me, if John Shire, if that's what his, his strategy is, I'm all in. But you know what's interesting is that John Shire seems to be Mr. Recruiter. So he's, he's the guy that's been bringing in some of these big-name guys in recent years, and I think that's one of the key reasons why they're keeping around. But I'm torn with that because I have not been a fan of the factory of one-and-dones. That's not the kind of college basketball that I prefer, uh, even as a, as a Duke fan. So I was surprised that it wasn't Steve Wojciechowski. That would have been my, my choice, even though I know he didn't do great at, at Marquette. But to me, Wojo is like the DNA of Duke. Uh, but I think Shire is there too. So Shire played four years and he's been an assistant, you know, in, in recent years. And I'm convinced that I love the fact that that coach K is going to be there for a year while kind of handing off the reins throughout the year to John Shire. Uh, everybody's aware of it. Recruits are aware of it. Fans are aware of it. We get to celebrate coach K for the next year. It, it's cool. So I, I love that aspect of it. So that's what I'm convinced of today. Uh, Luke, what are you convinced of? Oh, we got to talk more Duke because <clears throat> you're a big Dukey. It's wild. Uh, interesting point. I would love to know your thoughts on, do you, ha do you see there's a minimum requirement of years to be at Duke to officially be part of the Duke fraternity? Do you accept <clears throat> kind of cheap one and dones into the fraternity? <sighs> it's, it's hit or miss. Like Kyrie Irving, I, did he play at Duke? I, I don't think he played at Duke. I, doesn't count. <laughs> I'll get into him later. I'll, I'll talk about I'll talk about some of the topics surrounding him today. Um, but but big win for Brooklyn. But uh, to me, like I I appreciated what Z like Zion came and played hard, and and even though you know yeah. the, the shoe and all that stuff, he came and he was awesome. So he's absolutely a part of the family. So it kind of depends on depends on the guy. That's but anybody that stayed. You know the four, three, four years. Ah, that's to me. That you're part of that. You're part of things. Gosh, yeah. The the 2005 to 2010 brought some beasts. Side note: Before I get into my I'm my I'm convinced. I think if if you would have asked me where Luol Dang went to college, I would have. <laughs> I love Dang. Never, ever guessed Duke. Because I, I was, I was, I was looking through. I wanted to watch JJ Reddick college highlights last night, watching his college highlights, and just reliving how fascinating it was that he was so hated, and looking for for four years dominant. And then I, I look at, I'm looking through rosters, and I see, wait, what? Luol Dang? Is that a different Luol Dang? I've never heard. That's not a very common name, but. There's no way Luol Deng played at Duke, and he did. I, I don't know why I missed that, but I was yeah. dumbfounded. Yeah, I, 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 I must have missed it. I was shocked to see that Luol Deng played at Duke. He was pretty good. I, he was one of my favorite Dukies, actually. I, I, I did like his I mean, game. His highlights are, were awesome. And he was a good NBA player, just kind of fizzled at the end, but he made a lot of money, too. So he, Oh, yeah. Being right. able to go years scoring 15 to 18 a game, that's, uh, that's pretty good for the bank account. Anyway. What I'm convinced of is this season, and keep in mind, I'm saying this as a Mavericks fan 
who has animosity towards this player purely through his association to the Miami Heat. I'm convinced that this season has no no implications on LeBron's legacy. It is unbelievable that some people are saying that this season affects LeBron's legacy. Now, why am I saying that? Some people are saying, oh, LeBron's first year to lose in the first round. After years, never losing the first round. Oh, he lost in the first round. He can't be Jordan, or he can't be this. Oh, this, this season is a black mark on his career. No way. Not at all. Can we at least look at context? People on Twitter, on social media, they are allergic to looking at the context of situations. Let's look at the context. They would have been a top three seed with no injuries, and that is obvious. Anthony Davis and LeBron have been hurt all year, and they still make a seven seed. So the fact that they're a seven seed has no bearing on LeBron's legacy. And then they're, they're banged up. Anthony Davis is hurt, misses time. LeBron's battling one of the perhaps the, the longest amount of games he's been out with the same injury because he's been an absolute machine his entire career. So I just I, I just don't understand people saying that he's oh he missed he didn't get past the first round. This is bad news. Not at all. Keep in mind they just played a great Phoenix Suns team with Chris Paul and Booker and DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder and, and, and Monty Williams has been awesome coach this year. So I, it doesn't make sense to me that people are hating on LeBron for not making it to the second round because it, it demands context. They're banged up. They've been battling injuries all season, and they ran into a great Phoenix Suns team. So it's almost a wash for me. This season doesn't count for LeBron's legacy because there's just been – at least it's neutral. It doesn't add. It doesn't take away. There's been injuries. I, I don't get it. So I agree with your take. I think it's I, I'm right there with you. And and I was listening to something on the radio though that that changed my mind slightly. He was talking about how if if something can add to your legacy, then can it also take away? So if he would have gone on to win the championship this year, that would have added to it. So by losing in the first round, it has to take something like it has to factor in to some degree. But but I am with you that the the d- dramatic response of hate toward LeBron and the idea that every time LeBron loses, well, LeBron would have done that. And, you know, it's fine. You can criticize LeBron for walking off the court early. It's not great. It's not a good look. Why are you doing that? Come on, just, just finish off the game. You can get treatment after. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, but to me, I, like LeBron, all, what he's already done is, is phenomenal. Like the idea to win with three different franchises to me, period. Like that's, unbelievable unbelievable and, and and to think too like last year was such a weird year and they played later into the fall and then to have to turn around and play another season it was unrealistic that yeah. that they were going to be healthy especially at his age and like in the zone to, to do it again yeah um that's why i was i was very curious how well they were going to play in that play-in game then they ended up winning it and i was like all right well if, if they if they, they, they looked okay maybe maybe they will make a run but ultimately in this series against phoenix they were never in sync. They they couldn't all get on the you know, on the floor at the, at the same time. Anthony Davis in and out of the lineup. You couldn't trust him, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. Um, and then the other part too is I don't think that this team was constructed as well as it was last year, or or, or roles weren't as defined 100%. as well. 
And, and so I think that that factors in. What happens is when you win the first championship, you build a championship caliber team. And then oftentimes what teams do the second year or third year sometimes, they just start adding pieces. Like, ooh, Marcus All wants to play with us. Great, we'll add him. Ooh, yeah. let's get Montrez O'Hara. Okay, great. Let's add a third center, Andre Drummond. What? <laughs> How many centers do we need here? What are we doing? We already got Anthony Davis, who's a big guy. LeBron's 6'9". How size do you need? Can we get some shooting? Golly. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, no, no. Let's get some shooting. We'll add Wesley Matthews. <laughs> Wesley Matthews? He hasn't, play, he hasn't played at a significant level in five years. So, I mean, the guy tore his Achilles. I mean, I, I just I just didn't understand it. So the way that the team was put together, I, I don't think was was great. And then Schroeder didn't necessarily uh, – he wasn't as consistent as they hoped. I think he played really well at times. He had wasn't very consistent. good had very good moments. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It seemed like a hodge – last year's Lakers team, I agree with you, was unbelievable – it was so amazing to see players know their roles. Yeah. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. Yeah. Unbelievably valuable to that team. They didn't do more than they asked. They were they were asked. They did but they did everything they were asked to do. They played in their role. They rebounded, protected the rim, run the floor. Nothing else. Yeah. And it's it's amazing, which is why it's so I never would root against players. To loot to ah, I don't know if I'll say that. I would never actively root against LeBron to lose per se, but it's refreshing this year that LeBron has lost in the first round because now it is a complete guessing game who is going to make it to the finals. Yeah, I think we've talked about. I think we talked about this previously for eight years in a row. It was only we were only excited in one conference in the NBA and come playoff time. We knew LeBron's making to the finals. So, okay, we'll kind of throw that conference out. Maybe we'll see who's going to get out of the first round, but we ultimately know who's making the finals out of the Eastern Conference. LeBron comes to the West. Wow, same thing's going to happen. Went to the finals last year. Won the finals. Now, LeBron's out of the first round. Now we've got up-and-coming teams, Utah, Phoenix, Denver, even without Jamal Murray, like there is the Clippers. There is some true excitement. There is, I just don't remember. It's it feels like it feels like it. Honestly, it's been since the 2011 Mavericks, where we ha, we've we've there's been more than two teams that could really win. Now it's wide open because yeah, Brooklyn big time win in Game One against Milwaukee. Milwaukee is really good. That's going to be, I think it's going to be a grind of a series to win that. Philadelphia is still in, but they're losing to Atlanta. And then the West, again, there's there's so many good teams to have a legitimate shot at the title this year, which as a sports fan, even though I'm mourning my Mavericks not being in it, it's so exciting. Absolutely. So that sets me up pretty well because I, I want to talk about the, the NBA playoffs a little bit. We'll get to our segment, unpack this where we take a, a sports topic related to the Bible, related to our own lives. And, and so you mentioned the, the Nets and the Sixers, and then we've been talking about the Lakers. And, and there's a common denominator with, with all of those teams, and it's the injury concern. And, and the fact that you mentioned all these different teams that have a chance to win, but what is it going to come down to? Who will be healthy at the end? Who's going to hang on and be healthy enough? Because we know with the Nets – 
as talented as they are, James Harden now with the hamstring injury. How long is he going to be out? How you know limited will he be if he does return? Kevin Durant, we we know that the some of the injuries that he's had to deal with, and Kyrie Irving, of course, and and then you talk about the Sixers. Well, Joel Embiid, he's one of the best centers in the league, but there's always the asterisk of when healthy, when healthy, and he was able to play through some some pain yesterday, but but there's still a lot of uncertainty uh, around his health and and what he'll be able to do, you know, in this series. But but even if they were able to get past the Hawks. Uh, moving forward. It's just a big concern. And then, of course, with the Lakers, the big reason that they lost was because Anthony Davis was not healthy. And, and so what does all of this come down to? Availability. Who's going to be available in these playoffs? And, and so, you know, the, the old saying or you, you, maybe a common saying that you hear is the greatest ability oftentimes is availability. And, and so I, I think it's, it's crucial in these playoffs, and, and, and I would say, too, in our own lives, are we available? And, and, and when I think about, like, James Harden and, and I think about, you know, Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid, those two guys are injury-prone. And, it, you know, I, I do think in sports and in life, sometimes, people, like, they deal with injuries over and over, and it's, some of it's out of their control. Like it's, it's, you know, fluke injuries or in life, you know, bad things just kind of happen. And it's just, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It, it, it is what it is. But I, I do think when you look at the longevity of LeBron's career, of Tom Brady's career, and, and how much they invest in their body, their mind, and, and their preparation to always be available, that, that, that's what they, that's what they're about. They, they want to make sure that they are at tip top shape for as long as they can and they want to be available. And I have to question, you know, James Harden, you know, where was he at at the start of the season? It was not a great look. He, he was not in great shape. There's, there's, you know, no question about it. And then with Joel Embiid, you know, it's, is it just his body makeup? It's hard to say. And Anthony Davis, but, but it's a, it's a pattern. It, it really is. And so you have to wonder, are they taking care of their body to the level that is needed in order to remain available? And so here are some questions for us to kind of consider today. Are we taking care of our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our souls, are are, are our misguided mindsets and negative emotions and physical tiredness actually preventing us from serving God? And and so, you know, even for me, uh, our church is doing a big push for for serving. And it's easy for me to, to, in my mind, go, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy. I I, I don't know. I got a lot going on. We're going to have another baby. And it's like, uh... so I'm not available. But, but, but am I available? I, I'm available enough to get in my, you know, how many ever, how many episodes of Seinfeld I get in every week, right? So, so I am available, like I am available, but I'm, but what am I choosing with my availability? What am I prioritizing? Um, and then, and then, and then this idea too, where are we, are we taking care of our bodies so that we're mentally sharp, that we're physically, you know, strong and energized to serve God, to love people well, or are we always depleted? And I'm guilty of this. We're so depleted that we're not available when someone asks, hey, can you come help me with this? Mm-hmm. Or, or we're not, you know, we're not uh, energized enough to, to, to look for opportunities. Ah, I'm going to go serve in this capacity. I'm going to say yes instead of no in, in certain circumstances. And then are we just so mentally tired because we're focused on the worries of life? And so worries are dragging us down and weighing us down. And that's where our emotions and our, our, our mindsets are. Um, and so are, are we also 
taking notice of the warning signs that we are breaking down? Or are we playing through the pain without addressing it? Now, there's a certain you know, aspect of life where you have to persevere and you got to play through pain, and, and I get that. But oftentimes, there are warning signs in our life where God is saying, slow down, check your soul, check your heart, come to me, rest in me, return to me. Um, and then you know, throw in the idea of sin, too, the reality of sin in our life that drags us down and, and prevents us from, from being you know, uh, healthy and, and, and spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy to serve God as well because we're choosing sin instead of obey, obedience and, and serving him in those ways as well. Um, and so, and then this idea of we're, we're, we're playing through the pain without addressing it, but it's actually causing more damage to us instead of pausing, addressing the issues in our life, making sure that we are emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually healthy. You know, how is our soul? How is our heart? Actually thinking about it, examining it, going before the Lord and asking him to reveal uh, the aspects that do need to change in our lives. And, and so, I want to start with uh, this verse in Ephesians 2, where it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So he wants to work in us and through us, and he has you know, purpose and, and meaning for our lives, but we have to be available, and, and we have to, to rely on him to give us the energy and the health and the power and the strength that we need to do what he's calling us to do. Um, and then also, uh, Jesus says uh, in Luke, it says, but be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down and depressed with the giddiness of debauchery and the nausea of self-indulgence and the worldly worries of life. Wow, I love that. That's in the Amplified Version. Um, and then also, let me share this. So uh, I'm reading a book by Derwin Gray right now called The Good Life. And I was reading this. He said, God is not looking for ability. He has plenty of that. He's longing for availability to share his supernatural ability. And Derwin writes, the good life is a life that answers God's call to make a positive difference in the world, to be a giver, not a taker. How different will the world be because you existed? You don't have to be famous to make a difference. You just need to be faithful. God doesn't need your ability. He just wants your availability. So that's the message today. Are we available and oftentimes we aren't available when we're not healthy in one regard or another. Just like some of these players are, are, are unavailable throughout the playoffs and they're questionable and they're out and they're, they're, you know, they're putting their team in jeopardy because they're not available. So you can unpack that. That's what's on my, my heart today. Uh, Luke, jump in. Yeah, it's, gosh, availability is such a dense topic because you could take it two directions. I, I love that you took it from the the direction of what can we do to stay available? Like mm. obviously every week we talk about God's word being God's word. That's where truth is. It's authoritative. There's no error. <clears throat> let's f spiritually, let's feed off of God's word. And also I try to remind myself, man, how often do I take for granted my health? Mm. Like I, I, right now I'm blessed with good health. I mean, I can walk, I can run, I can work out and be fit. Let me not take that for granted. Let me continue to to build and grow and develop the health that God has blessed me with right now. So that's something I take for granted all the time. So I love you went that direction of what can we do to stay available. I also see an important direction of availability is so important in discipleship. We all know what it's like. And I, I wouldn't say we all know. 
most of us have experienced what it's like to try to pursue someone who's unavailable. Think of someone who, who you've looked up to, you've wanted as a mentor, you've wanted to pour into you, spiritually or non-spiritually. And it's and they're unavailable. You're texting them, you're calling them, you just want to spend some time with them, and they're unavailable. Think of that. And then think of how amazing it feels and how ama- and beneficial it is to you when you have someone you look up to who's a mentor, any of those categories, and they are routinely available, even if they're not seeking you out, but anytime you reach out to them, the answer is yes, or not not today, but how about this time? And they're eager and excited to pour into you. That's incredible. Discipleship relies on availability. Obviously, availability from the person who's being discipled, but the avail- also the availability of someone who's doing the discipling. When I was in college and I was uh, leading some of my youth guys, the first year and a half, I I was way worse of a youth leader. I, I, I could have been a much better youth leader because I, I did not go out of my way to be available to them. I saw my role as a youth leader as showing up on Sundays and Wednesdays, and that was it. And yeah, of course there's fruit produced, but not nearly as much as it could have been. So the next year and a half I spent time with him, praise God, he really worked in my heart and their hearts. And the key the key thing when I look back at it is God really sanctified me and grew my desire to spend time with him in between the Sundays and Wednesdays being available to go to my guys' games, being available to go to meals, being available anytime they call me or text me. I'm responding. Hey, I'm not available here, but how about this? Or, yeah, I'm available. I'd love to meet you here. I've seen availability be so important in the mentor-mentee, discipler-disciplee relationship because if, if one of the two isn't available, you cannot spend time together. And discipleship is spending time together. The person being discipled, watching, observing, doing life with the person who's doing the discipling, and the person who's discipling the younger person. Being around them so they can observe you, so they can be around you. So that's why I love availability because it's so, it's such an important topic. Like you were saying, Bryce, what it takes to be available in our life, what we need to be, all the inputs in our life we need to be pursuing, but also how vital it is to mentorship and discipleship. Because if you are not available, it cannot happen. Mm. No, it's a great, great message and encouragement. So I appreciate you adding to that, Luke. That's uh, it's a wonderful perspective. Uh, and yeah, just being open to God saying, all right, I'm available. How do you want, how do you want to use me? And, and yeah. not being closed off, but, but being available and, uh, and, and serving God as he, as he leads us uh, in, in different directions. So that's Unpack This today. That'll go out as a devotional later today through email. If you haven't subscribed to that yet, be sure to do so on unpackingit.com, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. It goes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, and then also on Wednesdays, we do something called an Unpacked Lunch, uh, where sports fans from around the country, we gather together virtually to, uh, to unpack the, the weekend sports 
uh, kind of in a you know more of a closed off area, whereas here we do it in a public uh, show type of format. Uh, but the Unpacked Lunch, if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, we'll unpack the you know, devotionals and the big sports stories. Uh, but you can go to uh, or just email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com, and I'll send you a link to, to be a part of that. So that's on Wednesdays at noon Eastern, uh, Bryce at unpackingit.com. All right, let's get to some of the big sports stories today and, and from, the, from the weekend. And, man, we got, we got so much going on, which is awesome for June. Uh, of course, the, the NBA playoffs have been taking place, and we've been wondering and waiting where would Julio Jones end up? Well, now he's going to the Tennessee Titans, and he teams up with A.J. Brown, one of my favorite receivers in the league. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, those are the kind of receivers I want on my team. I, I, I just love the way they play, the way they're built. Uh, they're incredible. And, and Julio Jones was kind of the, you know, the, the guy that, that fits that mold as well, but he's been around a long time. And so now for him to almost basically be the number two to A.J. Brown in Tennessee – is dangerous and crazy and wild and somewhat surprising that the Titans are willing to pay the, the the price for Julio. And I'll say this, as a Panthers fan, I'm thrilled that Julio Jones is no longer in the division. But but as a fantasy football owner, I haven't always been that thrilled with Julio Jones because to me, he's the type of receiver that has really great games and then he kind of disappears. And talking about the availability to me, he's always the kind of guy that you wonder if he's going to play. Is his hamstring going to act up? Is he? He's always got some kind of issue that, that he's dealing with health-wise. And so as talented as he's been throughout his career, the huge numbers that he's put up, um, he still plays in a lot of games, but, but it just seems like he's always, always injured. Um, I'm not Mr. Julio Jones. Like I'm not like, oh, I got to get Julio on my fantasy team, or I think he's the best receiver in the league. But as a number two to to – AJ Brown and now giving Ryan Tannehill another weapon, that's huge. So this this puts Tennessee in the, the Super Bowl conversation. They're probably there to a certain extent anyway, with Derrick Henry as the running back. This takes a little bit more pressure off of Henry. So you further him a long, you know, longer career, probably, instead of just handing it off to him 30 times a game. Hopefully, this means they uh they also this year, Darrington Evans, they're they're running back out of App State. I got his signed football over here. Um, but, but he gets some more play this year cause he was injured last year. So anyway, more weapons on Tennessee, they're going to be tough. Uh, but man, I was thinking about some of the, the, the teams across the league that are Super Bowl contenders and you throw in the Rams, Addie Matthew Stafford, the 49ers, if they are healthy this year, they should be back in the mix. And then the teams that you, you know, that we knew last year, the chiefs and the bucks, of course, and the bills will be in the mix. You think the Ravens should be better. Uh, so it, to me, the league is loaded and it's going to be fun. Uh, but, but Julio going to that AFC South makes it, makes it very interesting, uh, for the Titans. And I'm real high on the Colts makes it a little bit tougher for the Colts to, to win that division. But those two teams, you know, duking it out with the Texans and the Jags, uh, being atrocious, uh, <laughs> unless, unless Tim Tebow <laughs> becomes a superstar, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Jags are going to be competing for a, for a division title. I'm always fascinated. If you look at the trade, Tennessee gave uh, up a second and a fourth round pick for Julio Jones. The common fan sees that, and I fight this urge. I see that, and I think, oh, Julio Jones is washed. A second and a fourth round pick? What is that? But, man, draft capital is so valuable. Second round pick, incredible value in the NFL. 
And Julio Jones is far from washed. What, he's 31, 32? Last year, I was just looking at his stats. In nine games, still had 771 yards? This dude can... One, we already know he's a freak. He's been a premier receiver his entire career. One of the, one of the best in the NFL every season he's played. And he's still only 31, 32, and still producing. And now he's going to be able to produce easier because you have a great run game. You have a good quarterback. You have a, you, you're not the number one receiver on your team. There's less pressure. I mean, at minimum... You have an incredible red zone threat to have AJ Brown and Julio Jones and Derek. If they don't score a touchdown every time they're in the red zone, that's failure. What more? Yeah, because Tannehill can run as well. Is this not the greatest red zone offense that has ever been built? I mean, this is wild for to be in goal line as a defense. We have to guard Julio. Okay, well they have a, a. I wouldn't say dual threat, but they have a mobile quarterback in Tannehill that can run and is tough. No, he's dual threat. Yeah, dual. They oh, they have Derrick Henry. Oh wait, they have AJ Brown. I mean, come on. So uh, let's also look at fantasy implications. Yes, very important. Are your is the Derrick Henry owner in your league concerned? Does this cause any concern? Well, I think they'll have more opportunities to score, but. Like you say, they might they might spread it around more, but I think this offense will be you know higher octane, so so more opportunities, more touchdowns, and and you know I think Henry's still yeah I mean he's he's awesome he there's no getting around it I mean I I prefer running backs that catch a lot of passes out of the backfield because um, then to me it's just there are more possibilities for fantasy points, uh, but with with Henry the the amount of touches that he'll still get and then yards touchdowns yeah i mean he's i think he i probably would you know move him down just a hair like just a hair i'm not even sure yeah. who i'd put ahead of him but um but i would just off the top of my head thinking eh, yeah this because you also like i was mentioning they've they've given him so many carries in recent years you just don't want to wear him down anymore because yeah. this always happens yeah. to running backs like they it, it, you can't avoid it once you start getting a certain number of carries, Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, you start getting all these carries, all these carries. Well, then he got banged up. Yeah. So that's possible for Henry. So hopefully this opens up the door for, for the Titans to uh, you know spread it out. Henry's saying on the back end, Julio Jones' fantasy ranking dropped from wide receiver 15 to wide receiver 20 after the trade. So dropping five See, I'm not so sh- I'm not so sure that Julio's value changes very much because Calvin Ridley – really had become more of the number one in Atlanta and, and even projecting toward this year if Julio was there. Um, and and to me, Tannehill's actually been playing better than Matt Ryan, especially, again, projecting into this year. A little bit younger, Matt Ryan, you know, winding down. They got a new coach there. So that's interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't move Julio. I'd probably still keep him at 20 either way. I wouldn't have had him as high as 15, but. Yeah, it's interesting because he, I wonder if his targets will because you have a good point. With Calvin Ridley getting more and more targets, are Julio is Julio Jones really gonna get less targets? It, it probably will, but is it gonna be that much less? He's certainly gonna have more room to operate. You can't just double Julio now because you have Derek and AJ Brown. So yeah. it's gonna be interesting. If if I'm an opposing defense, I'm either terrified or I am very excited for the opportunity because that Tennessee offense was already scary. 
and just very tough to compete against. So how about these Titans? I, again, I, I always say this. I love when teams that have that have had years of limited success find a good rhythm for a few years. Like, obviously, mm. there's one-and-done teams. Like, the Jags going, uh, what, two or three years ago, going to the AFC Championship game, and then back down. That doesn't count. But for the Browns, man, th- th- they're a legitimately good team. The Titans, there were some dark years. Yeah, the and Bills. And the Bills, it, it's so exciting. And we talked about that in the NBA. Utah, Phoenix, so exciting, even if you're not a Phoenix fan. So I'm really excited to watch Tennessee. It's I, I, I tip my cap. I, I, I raise my glass to uh, <laughs> to Titans fans who have, uh, have been the loyal ones, who have endured some dark ages and are now enjoying some really good football. I've been to a Titans game uh, in Nashville. It was fun. Yeah. It was a good good spot. So I uh, yeah I like I I like the Titans. I like Vrabel. So I'm I think they'll be they'll be good. And again, a, he's such a football guy. Oh yeah yeah no. But they, but he's a defensive guy. The defense still needs to be better. The Titans defense must be better if they really want to get over the hump uh, and and win a Super Bowl. So that that's going to be key for them. Um, all right. So you you mentioned the the NBA kind of smaller market teams and where we stand now in the second round of the playoffs uh i'm i'm interested people that are that are listening today are you bummed that lebron and the lakers are out are you bummed that luca of course luke is bummed that luca and the mavs are out you know zion didn't make it steph curry's out so a lot of the the big name players are no longer around now a guy like Kawhi leonard is as good as anybody and so the the clippers and of course the la clippers are a big market but and Devin Booker's on the rise, young young star. You know Donovan Mitchell in uh, Utah is a rising star. But these are you know smaller market teams, and and I think you know Jokic in Denver is as good as any player left, Embiid as good as any player left. But the center position in recent years hasn't been valued as much. Is there as much fanfare for those kind of guys? And and so so I am curious, just from a fan perspective, what is the intrigue level? And and for me, you know, I like Lakers, I like LeBron, and I like Steph Curry. So I'm I'm a little bummed that those guys aren't in it. But I love what Monty Williams has done in Phoenix, and the idea that they added Chris Paul. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. DeAndre Ayton continues to develop. Booker continues to develop. So they're a fun team. I like Portland a lot, and Damian Lillard going out is a bummer. So I, I miss I yeah. miss Lillard. Yeah. Um, and then I liked the Knicks being in the mix. So oh, yeah. it was fun. It was really fun having the Knicks again. And I'm not into this Atlanta team, but and I think we'll talk about Trey Young during tap drill. But when I think about the way that Atlanta has constructed this team through the draft and then signing you know, key role players like a Danilo Gallinari, like those, those types of guys to then add to a young guy like John Collins yeah. and, and Trey Young. Because and I think they're a great blueprint for other teams to consider. Okay, and Atlanta's a big city, but the, the Hawks just maybe aren't always the the blue bloods of the NBA, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but what they've done is is really great. And you know, because I know your Mavs are thinking, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to you know add another superstar? And, and Portland's thinking, okay, how do we get Damian Lillard some some help? Man, look to the Hawks. They've built this team and they've they've added the right pieces. You get veteran guys that know how to play, that know how to have a specific role on a team. 
That's how you win in the NBA. And I talked about the, how the Lakers were built last year compared to this year. It's it. There, there is a way to do it. And even with the Hornets this year, watching that, you know, that's my team. They, they've added pieces. They built through the draft. They get guys that play well together. This idea of, oh, you just add a bunch of superstars. So with Brooklyn, all right, so then, you, you know, the, the argument is, oh, well, look what Brooklyn's done. They've got James Harden and Kevin Durant. And I mean, I don't even know. How, do we even have time to list all the superstars on their team? But they've got all the guys on one team. Until they get it done, I don't buy the way that they do it. And I don't buy that Kyrie Irving is going to win a championship with Brooklyn because you know what I see Kyrie Irving do? He dribbles down and then he throws it up. He dribbles down and then he looks for his shot in the paint. I don't think that that wins out when the Bucs actually start hitting a higher field goal percentage. They were just cold. The Bucs just couldn't shoot the other night. The Bucs are going to bounce back. The Bucs are going to be a tough team because the Bucs, they play like a team. And they added Drew Holiday. Again, back to my theory of you add pieces, you add the guys that fit well together. Chris Middleton, he'll start hitting some shots, but he doesn't have to be the number two. He doesn't have to score 30 points for the Bucs to win. I don't think so. Um, so anyway, I could go on and on, but that's those are some of my NBA thoughts. Uh, sorry, I went long there, Luke. Oh, no, I just, you and me both. NBA, oh, I just, I have so many, my mind's scrambling right now. So I'll start with this. I will preface my comment with saying, I acknowledge if you're in the NBA, you are absolutely incredible at the game of basketball. Incredible. Less the one of the best players in the world. If you are on an NBA roster, I, I will never ever listen to someone saying this player sucks. Maybe relative, but objectively they are incredible. If you're on an NBA roster, so I preface that with saying, is this leading the, to Porzingis? <laughs> no, not not Porzingis. But this is a Mavs comment. So Dallas. In two and a half years, have not added anything basically around Luca. So uh, to your point, we we either do Atlanta incredible. They have because some guys on TNT were saying obviously this is take this with a grain of salt. This is certainly a homer take here, but the guys on TNT are saying oh well Trey Young yeah they Atlanta won that trade Trey Young's gone to the won a playoff series before Luca. Again, can we look it's at context, exciting. please? The Atlanta roster is good. It is unbelievable how much Luka hides how bad this Dallas roster is. It is not a good roster at all. We have, the in a Game 7, I, I, I this is sickening, sickening to say. In a Game 7, we went to Boban Marjanovic oh. and Trey Burke. In uh, a game seven, uh, are, what are we? Every nothing time against them. I love Boban. He's awesome. No, he's not. Trey, he's not awesome. Uh, personality wise, personality, personality wise, he's a he's a great locker room guy. But he's a bench guy. He's a bench guy. You bring in. He's a great team guy. Trey he's Burke, a practice guy. Yeah, yeah. Trey Burke earned earned an NBA contract in the bubble. I'm happy for him to be on a team, but. The Mavericks, what are we doing? Luka isn't isn't just a generational player. You don't get a 22-year-old every generation that averages 28, 9, and 9. That, not every generation produces that. He's 22, and we are going— Our, our go-to people in a Game 7 are Boban and Trey Burke? Boban. Are you kidding me? 
what are we doing? In the uh, first half, players not named Luca were one of 13 from three. I mean, Luca, poor guy. There's no way he went to dinner with the teammates after that game. <laughs> they were all brick masons. I mean, come on. So <laughs> it's just, it was sickening to watch. Oh, it hurts so bad. Hurts so uh, the, uh, We were feeding Boban like he was a superstar. The, yeah. Boban didn't sign up for this. Poor guy getting the ball every possession in the paint. If I'm Boban, I'm saying, ball, don't pass but, me yeah. the ball. Let me sit on the bench, come in for 10 minutes. I don't want this pressure. Dallas is expecting me to win this game seven. I mean, oh, just so bad. So I'll get off. I'll get off that because I could, I could talk about it all. It's sickening, utterly sickening. But to your point earlier, I love seeing small market teams have success because Dallas isn't a small market, but Dallas has never been able to land a free agent. So I sympathize with small market teams who, if they don't build through the draft, they will not win. So I love teams like, yes, they signed Chris Paul, but Phoenix building through the draft, Utah finding great guys in the draft. Yes. Portland, Portland, they found guys in the draft. Yes, they just lost, but I love small market teams finding success because, man, it's so hard. A big market team, you're going to land free agents, but it's just so exciting to see a team that if you, again, if you don't build through the draft, you cannot win. Yeah, and I I just would prefer that Damian Lillard stays in Portland, Lucas stays in Dallas, and and just build around those guys. Just but like have, Giannis, just like Giannis, just like Giannis. Milwaukee. Yeah, and and Drew Holiday. Yeah, I think he's an All Star at, at one point, but he's just a very solid NBA player that you yeah. can play with. Yes. To me, that the, the superstars teaming up is not always the answer. Like it, I understand that it works at times, and and it has for sure. But but just for the the product of the NBA, for the longevity of of a team, uh, it's way more important. The reason the Warriors were so good for so many years was because they built through the draft. Clay and Steph and Draymond, they had yes. a long run. Durant was there for a couple years, but he's in and out. Even and, guys and like Harrison Barnes, like they yeah. they drafted their whole team. So I, yep. I prior to Kevin Durant, I never understood Golden State hatred. How can you hate them? Yeah, they, they did a great job draft. drafting. So that's 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 why I am in favor of that, and uh, that's you know the, the Hornets. You know they made they made a move to to go sign Gordon Hayward, and and I think that was a a, a good move. But it, it's it's going to come down whether the Hornets make it or not moving forward. Is Bridges going to work out? Is Ball going to work out? Is PJ Washington going to work out? That's yeah. what it'll come down to. Um, and so it's hard though for a team like Dallas and Portland where. You get to the first round of the playoffs, and so you're not going to have a great draft pick. Um, yeah, that's why tough. you're going to, but that's why you have to go off. You have to go out and get some veterans that have been written off, guys that are really motivated, guys that are you know coming off contracts where the market isn't as as hot for those guys, and you give them a chance to kind of revitalize their career. To me, that's when you really get things going. Um, so even you know Philadelphia getting Tobias Harris, like he's been key for them. Um, not a big name guy, but the Seth, the, the Seth Curry people. trade. The Seth, yeah. Curry, I, I, I mean, I thought it was, I mean that was ginormous for Philadelphia. Get more shooting. That's so, right. I agree. All right. Well, cool. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up the show with a little tap drill. We could talk NBA all day, but we we've, we've got some other fun stories from the weekend. Let's bring on Henry. Henry, how are you? It's tap drill time. You ready to roll? 
What's going on, boys? Once again, it's time for Chap Drill, where we are always going to come through in the clutch. So you boys ready? Let's do it. All right. Our first tap, Joe, we're going to stay in the NBA. Now, I don't know if you were watching the uh, Lakers Sun series closely, but right towards the end of the game, right before he got ejected, uh, you could see uh, Crowder, Jay Crowder, doing a little salsa dance a la Victor Cruz. But of course, my Giants <laughs> do it much better. But if you had a chance to knock out your biggest rival, what kind of dance are you guys doing? You guys doing the cabbage patch? You guys doing the running man? What dance are we doing? <laughs> I'm going old school, man. I, well, first off, Jay Crowder is he's another one of those key veteran guys 100%. that make a difference. It's yep. the Andre Iguodala's. Those are the guys that make a difference in the NBA. Um, but I'm doing the Macarena, and the Macarena. <laughs> it's, it's back. Oh. 25 years anniversary. Let's go. And guess what? Guess what? I was in a dance contest at the Charlotte Bobcats Arena, no. and I did the Macarena, and I won. I won a Bobcats prize pack. So there you go. Okay. Let me let me follow-up question. Was it because the other people around – was it just you and a bunch of dudes, a bunch of grown men? <laughs> were they just standing around tapping their foot, and anyone who danced remotely like dancing was going to win, or you objectively outdanced people? So it was me – and like a boy band guy, and then like the, you know, the girl. So so okay. I ended up. So I should I should preface by saying I tied with the girl. So I beat so the first. other guy. I beat oh, the yeah. other guy. So you know he was kind of like uh, trying to be cool. Where I just went all in. I'm not cool. I'm gonna dance the Macarena. Well, then the mascot, the Bobcat mascot, came off, came over, and took my shirt off. I, I don't know if I've shared the story on the. On wow, the is there before. video evidence of this? <laughs> there, wow. there is. Like he, he came up to you and, and took your shirt off. Yeah, which uh, to me, I don't think you can get away with in today's world. But this was this was 10, 15 years ago, um, <laughs> and and so wow. this was back in the Bobcats day. It was a, it was the wild wild west when the Charlotte Bobcats and Primo Brezic and Adam Morris in those years. Um, but but I so anyway, so I took my shirt and now I'm swinging it. So once you swing the shirt with the Macarena, yeah. you are the winner. That 100%. You are the winner, and I was that winner. Wow. That, that is legend. If, if there's video of that, I'm so, going to have to my hands Have I not that. told you this? So the next no. day, in, in so I was in high school. The next day, the so – legend. Uh, yeah. So I – yeah. So I'm an absolute legend. No. Um, the, all the gym classes – were called to be together. So, like, weightlifting was going on, team sports. All right, everybody in the auxiliary gym, we have something to watch. And I'm thinking, wait, 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 what are we, what are we doing? And so, all of a sudden, we go into the auxiliary room, and the, there is a video of me from the Bobcats game. That somebody, one of my friends was there at the game filming it, gave it to the gym teacher, and showed this at the – uh, at the event, so or at the during class, and so that's what that's what ended up happening. So there you go. There there is video somewhere. I think it's on MySpace somewhere. <laughs> wow. wow, that is rem so. My answer is just going to be an answer from a different generation here. I my go to has always been the Dougie or the Stanky Leg. Ooh, Adela yeah. I don't know. I just <laughs> me and my teammates growing up. Uh, everyone on my on my AU teams growing up, the Dougie was the go-to. So I just, through osmosis, adopted that one. So I will say the Macarena is good. 
if you bring energy, you can't be slow as molasses, kind of half in, half out. So I, I just that's just amazing, Bryce. I, I can't imagine <laughs> if you were my classmate watching that on TV, you walking in the hallways. It, I would have I would have demanded that there be a parade for you. That would have been remarkable. <laughs> Legend. Can't even that get to your locker. All, all the freshmen waiting at your locker for your autograph. Well, I don't know about a parade, but we could definitely get down with the conga line after doing the Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's stay in the NBA with this next tap. Now, uh, my as a, as a Knicks fan, I am professionally as a Knicks fan, I love this guy. I love this guy's game. But personally, as a Knicks fan, I wish he were out on a stretcher. We have a brand new bad guy. No, it's not WWE's Razor Ramon. It is Trey Young of the Atlanta Falcons. He had his coming out party, unfortunately, at the expense of my New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Now, when you've got 25,000 people chanting an expletive at your name, I'm thinking you're doing something right. So, Bryce, so, Luke, who is your favorite sports bad guy? Oh, wow. Well, first off, on on Trey Young, I, I, I like that he's capturing the the attention and the energy and he's you know stepping up as as a playoff guy like that to me it's like to to go with the Madison Square Garden and remind people of Reggie Miller that's a big deal and and to to play the game and I thought the bow was tremendous I love the bow now some of the other shenanigans maybe not so much but the bow in New York I thought was awesome like that was such a a way to stick it to the the New York fans um but my favorite villain wow so I was always a Dennis Rodman fan. So I love the Bulls, you know, back in the 90s. And so not everybody liked Dennis Rodman, but I always had a, a special place for, for Dennis Rodman. I don't, I don't know why. I just, part, of me, part of me knew that there was more to him, that he was acting out. So there, if, I'm, I'm going serious on you. Uh, but, but Rodman, he's the ultimate probably villain. So there you go. Wow. Is, uh, would you consider Birdman a villain? No, 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 no. Be better than that. Hmm. Now you got to come better than that. He's he's got to he has to be a guy that that a whole city can hate you when you've got all of New York City hating one guy. That's villain. That's super villain level. Well, yeah, I will. I, I will say Dwayne Wade is a villain in Dallas just because today, 10 year anniversary of game four, the flu game 2011 NBA finals. Dirk was sick. And Dwayne Wade and LeBron accused him of faking and were making fun Ooh. of him. And from that moment forward, Dwayne Wade has been one of the biggest villains. One, because 06, him, whatever amount of money he paid the refs to get all those calls. That's neither <laughs> here nor there. But he became a massive villain in the DFW. So I'll go with Dwayne Wade. It's a bit of a homer pick. but Wow, that's a shocker. People in Dallas hate his guts. Well, you can never have too many bad guys, and that's what makes the superheroes so good. So let's go on to another rivalry, and this is right up your alley, boys. We're talking Bryson versus Brooks. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Bryson DeChambeau, while he was in the Memorial Tournament, allegedly had some heckler fans escorted out the tournament because they were <laughs> shouting out Brooks Kepka's name. So Brooksy. Brooksy, exactly. So Brooksy, who caught wind of it, who was not at the memorial, decided he was going to go on social media, 
thank the fans. And he said, if you guys got eliminated, me and Michelob, we're going to offer you the first 50 people some free beer. What do you guys think about that? Wow. Well, the, the big question for me is what side am I on? Brooks or Bryson? And I can't figure it out. And it's, it's almost like both of them are, are so easy to root against. And so, but, but I feel like you have to pick sides. But I, I'm not convinced one way or the other because to me, both of these are kind of intriguing, you know, what they, what they did this last weekend. Um, and, and then what happened, of course, a couple weeks ago with, uh, with Brooks's interview and all that. But, Luke, have you decided what, what team are you on? Are you team Brooks or Bryson? I'm team Bryson. You are. And, and, but I will say <clears throat> I've always been team Bryson. For the, the past, past two years, people have hated Bryson and found him to be annoying. I never have found Bryson – to to frustrate me or anger me i think he's awesome i like the mr scientist all that's great and he's really good at golf and it's it's just so interesting i really don't think bryson hates brooks brooks is kind of plays that jerk role on tour and has taken shots at numerous players even dustin johnson brooks took a shot dustin johnson last year but brooks yeah brooks objectively does not like bryson so I'm definitely team Bryson, but what's so interesting, if you're Bryson, I don't I don't know if it's been confirmed if he had a role with people getting thrown out for calling him Brooksy, but <laughs> I mean, it, it, you have to know if you have any role in that, that only increases people doing that. So why, why would oh, you even respond? Why would, this yeah, is going to be a big thing. He almost, like fans are going to double down on it now, so doesn't make sense, but I, I'm definitely Team Bryson on this. Well, whether you're Team Brooks or you're Team Bryson, one the one who's always going to win is the sport of golf, this rivalry. So we're going to keep an eye on that, and I know you guys are loving the rivalry to, so we can talk more golf. So uh, one last tap drill, and this is going to go to my heart a little bit. We've got the upcoming movie Space Jam 2 starring mm. LeBron James. Now, there's, there's a little bit of controversy in this because we have LeBron James, we have uh, Clay Thompson, we have Dame, Limmerd, Dame Lillard. They're all out. Clay Thompson hasn't played this year because of an injury. LeBron James got eliminated. Dame Lillard got eliminated from the playoffs. So now, is this a Space Jam jinx? What are you guys thinking? <laughs> well, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I thought LeBron's comment in the uh, in the press conference, he's going to play for uh, play for the Toon Squad this this summer, uh, was great. So I I for one am excited about Space Jam too, and and so as, as bummed as I am that we can't continue to watch Damian Lillard throughout the playoffs, I'm excited we get to watch him in Space Jam too. I am a huge fan of Space Jam of the, the original. I actually have a Michael Jordan figurine wearing his Toon Squad. Jersey. I have already watched Space Jam with little Maddie. She loves it. She's all in. This was like, this was a while ago. She was young. She was really young watching that. Um, and so I can't wait to see how, uh, how creative they were with this second one. And you know, what's funny. So we've got some young interns here uh, in the, in the studio, not excited about LeBron and, and Space Jam too. So I, I had the reprimand uh, Harrison this morning. Not, <laughs> not acceptable. I, I am excited. I can't wait to watch. Let's go. So there you go. Uh, uh, let's get into the psychology of this a little bit. So can I, I wonder 
we a lot of us love Space Jam. How old were you guys when Space Jam came out? When you guys oh, first were watching Space Jam? Ten years old. Okay, so we're all we're all kids when we're watching Space Jam. So when we're older, we still love it because the magic of it is we we experience the magic of Space Jam when we were kids. Is it the same thing when you watch Space Jam two for the first time as an adult? Oh, I don't know. Point. Is it going to come across real corny? Is it going to be like the new like all the new Ghostbusters flicks that are just man? Like what is this? So I don't know. I there's no way it's going to be within the same ballpark as the first Space Jam. There's just no way, in my opinion. One, because the first one was so good. Two, from our perspective, we experienced the first one as kids. We don't have that luxury as adults. So I wonder if that's, <laughs> that's going to have an impact. No, that's a good point. But I think LeBron can actually act pretty well, so I think he'll be fine. No, he can. Uh, he can. They, they got other good superstars in there. You, know, you throw in the Looney Tunes stuff. I, to me, it's a great formula. A little basketball, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great. Yeah. I think they've they've invested enough time and effort into it. It's not like they you know tried to capitalize on the original Space Jam and they they had to quickly do a sequel, which oftentimes you know that happens with movies. This was so many years later. They 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 waited for the right superstar to do it. It's gonna be good. I can't wait. Well, the only thing that I'm gonna be bummed about in this Space Jam is that we're not gonna see the cameo of Bill Murray. So, oh, but other not. than that, I'm still excited for I'm still excited for Space Jam too. Hopefully, LeBron does a good job, and that's tap drill for you, boys. Awesome, thanks, Henry. Hopefully, they bring back uh, Newman. Newman was in. That uh, would be a, oh, he's gotta be. <laughs> he should do something. He absolutely should be should do something. He makes everything great. And Larry Bird was in it. Larry Bird is clear. Larry Bird is clear. I love that line. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he he gets mentioned in there, uh, and hopefully Jordan shows up at some point. Right, he's got to. I will be disappointed in Space Jam 2 if we don't have some sighting of Jordan. So we'll, we'll see about that. But yeah. all right. Well, thanks to Henry and Luke. Thanks to our interns. Uh, thanks to Chris, our producer. Uh, great work from everyone today. We will be, we will be back next Monday. Uh, and also uh, coming up this week on the podcast, uh, Will Healy, the head coach for the Charlotte 49ers, will be my guest and look forward to conversation with him, uh, catching up with him. Also, coming up in Charlotte, we got the Man Up Conference on June 19th. Be sure to register for that. Go to manupcharlotte.org. For those of you outside of Charlotte, you can still experience it virtually. Uh, again, details on manupcharlotte.org. As always, I wrap things up by letting you know I'm Bryce, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Be encouraged to be available. Be available to, to be used by God, to serve God, to serve others. Be available. That's the encouragement for us today. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. 
we look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.